All right, and welcome to episode number 25 of the Loser Hour. And I got a whole bunch of shit to talk about this week, so I'm just going to jump right into it with some not-so-positive stuff. There was um, another school shooting here in the United States, um, in California, in Santa Clarita, California, that's uh, near Los Angeles. And, um, yeah, so there's uh, there was... Six total victims, two two dead, a 16-year-old girl, 14-year-old male. Um, yeah, it's just it's fucked up. Um, the kid who did it was um, 16. The initial reports were as he was 15. It came out that it was his 16, um, 16th birthday uh, that he did this. Um, and I just, the only, the, the reason I bring it up and want to talk about it, I, I, I'm not going to mention his name, anything like that. I'm not going to really talk about the shooter at all, really, because fuck that guy, fucking piece of shit. Um, this, this, this more coming out about this information, but the way I felt about it while I was hearing about it, when it initially happened, because I was at work and I had just, had turned on the radio and, and heard what was going on. And then I, pulled my phone out, put, put the, the news co- coverage on, on, uh, that was, um, coming off of like local broadcast and I was getting it off of Twitter. And, um, so I, I just, at first that, you know, the coverage was, you know, they were doing what, what, what they, they had to do. They were, they were trying to figure out what was going on and getting information as it was coming in, which is, you know, what, what, what they're, supposed to do now once they got confirmation that they had the the whole situation was under control they had the the suspect in custody all that um now that's when then this this whole media thing gets a little out of control now i'll I'll get into that in a minute but so more on this this story now that a couple days have come out um um, a couple of days have gone by, more information has come out. Um, and like I said, it was initially reported that he was 15. And with the reports that they, that, you know, that was reported through, throughout the day. And they did more, you know, digging and investigation. And then they proved that it was his 16th birthday. So they got that wrong, you know, initially. So it's the type of things that more time. So initially they, they, um, they did, take him um i should say you know they apprehended the suspect or whatever but he was um he he had shot himself in the head so he had been in critical condition and, and now he's died so he he they they were trying to keep him alive or whatever and yeah he shot himself in the head and so yeah typical type of thing they they sh- just shoot at random and then kill themselves because they're fucking cowards and whatever type of issues they're going through you know, it, it's, it just don't, you don't do this fucking shit. Like you don't, you don't do this. So, you know, I was, I was reading a little bit about, um, they were looking at possible motives and stuff like that. And, you know, that his, his dad just recently passed away, I believe in 2016 and his parents were going through a custody, a tough custody battle or his dad died in 2018 last year or something like that. And they were going through a custody battle in 2016, him and his mom and his dad. And so who knows, 
that that may have had a, a big impact on the death of his father, but this doesn't it doesn't fucking condone going and killing people, especially random people at school and shit like that. It's just bullshit. But uh, jumping back to my uh, my initial reason for bringing this whole thing up is I just don't understand the reasoning for people in the media to want to put high school kids that that literally just got out of a like extreme extreme situation like they are still processing what's going on some of these kids are 14 15 you know 16 years old they're still trying to figure out what the fuck they just went through they're fucking in shock it and and you're coming up to them with a fucking camera and a microphone and being like hey can, and going up to their parents and being like hey can i interview your kid understand what happened in there let the public know what kind of fear you were going through because that's just total bullshit that right there is not covering the story you're these people should be interviewed by the police not by fucking national television cameras it's it's total fucking disgusting behavior and i mean it's it it i i couldn't fucking listen to the coverage anymore once they started interviewing all these kids it's like they fucking oh we got a, we got word that that one of the evacuation points is um uh th- this park let's let, let's hightail it over there so we can fucking find these kids and 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 you know shame on those kids parents for allowing that allowing their child that just went through this trauma whether they said like you know they could have been approached and then the, they go ask the parents, can I interview, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the parents are just like, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. But that's, no, look out for your fucking kid in this way. Like, they're, they're still trying to go through this whole issue, this this trauma that they just went through. And I just don't understand exposing them to this. It, it's just fucking ridiculous. Um, the media should know better. These reporters should know better. You should fucking, the, the on-air reporter should say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's fucking that's it's just not not it's not right you don't fucking do that shit they're fucking they're 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 still children like they're and they're processing something that it's like most people don't have to fucking deal with and it's just it's it's annoying i don't i don't i don't understand it um and yeah it's it just i one of the kids was you could tell he, he was keeping it um really calm and together and trying not to make it political. And then the next person they bring up is just some hysterical girl who's just, I come to school to learn and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and it's like you feel her pain and all that, but it's like she should not be in front of the camera. Then she spouts out the fucking, this is reality in Donald Trump's America. And it's like, that's what they wanted. That's what they want. They want that fucking reaction. And they want people watching to be like, see, see. And, but then here's the thing. As more information comes out, we learn that he's an Asian kid. And the weapon used was a 45 caliber pistol, handgun. The media, I love, I've read CBS News, I've read LA Times, I've read a few articles, Washington Post. They all are, are writing semi-automatic 45 caliber pistol. Fucking every pistol is a semi-automatic. You don't have to fucking put semi-automatic. It doesn't, like, that's a fucking narrative thing, but it doesn't fit the narrative anyway that it's a assault rifle and that it's a fucking white minority and there's some political reasoning to this. So we haven't heard much. We've been getting all this impeachment stuff that's 
equally as like this is more the impeachment shit is ridiculous. The fact that no, like you know, nobody's talking about this this school shooting after after the next couple of days, other than getting some reports in local news and stuff like that in California. Being in California, hearing about it a little more, but as a national news story, like you know, I have I didn't hear one thing. I didn't see one thing on Twitter from Beto O'Rourke or any of these other fucking crazy leftist idiots about fucking gun control and shit. It's like, because it doesn't fit. California is a highly regulated state. This was a minority and it was done by a pistol. And it's like, oh, it doesn't fit. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work in our, our, in our world, but it's still a fucking issue that something has to be figured out about this kind of shit. I don't understand what it is in kids' minds that gets them to do this. I, it's, it's a combination of a bunch of a bunch of things. It's lack of empathy and and desensitization to so much violence, and it's just it's it's really hard to say. I don't think you know violent video games and movies and and shit like that. That's such a cop out to say stuff like that because they've existed and they exist everywhere. And you know it it you don't see that type of behavior. Like you know violent video games exist in Asia, and you don't see that type of violence over there. So it's there's there's no link but there's a desensitization to playing a lot of violent video games or watching a lot of violent movies or you know there are people that go online and you know they fucking watch videos of people being tortured and shit like that or they or they like you know the, the fucking isis videos you know there are people that that fucking that'll put that shit on and just like they they search for it you know, I saw that shit scrolling to through Twitter, not knowing what it was and being like, what the fuck? And not wanting to see it, but somebody had fucking posted it. People seek that shit out, though. And it's so fucked up. Like, and it's such a weird, like, and, you know, I'm not saying those people are bad. It's just a desensitization to all this violence. And some people fucking snap in their head and they think that it's fucking, it's no big deal to go shoot up a fucking school. You know, a gun's a toy. It doesn't fucking, you know, I don't fucking understand it. I don't get it. I don't know what causes it. I don't understand, um, you know, it, it, it's people got to pay attention more, I guess. I don't fucking know. It's just everybody just needs to be aware that there are fucking crazy people out there. And just always be aware and alert of your fucking surroundings. And know fucking if you're inside a building, fucking the quickest way out or the best fucking hiding place or whatever. Or, or fucking pack a fucking gun with you because, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't know how to how how to stop it, you know that type of shit. I, I just fucking don't know, but it's it's fucked up. I don't understand it. I don't. I I get why the media isn't talking about it, but yeah, um, I just that's my two cents on on that. Um, there was also some uh, some some drama in the NFL the other night. Um, so. This Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett controversy that's going on. So I didn't watch the game, but I I've definitely you know I've I've seen what happened. Um, and my thoughts are kind of simple. Um, I think both fucking people, you know, you're, you're both grown ass adults. Um, I get the type of rough, you know, playing rough and doing certain things to antagonize players and stuff like that, like Mason Rudolph grabbing at, at Garrett's groin and, and, tr- and pulling at his helmet and different stuff like that. I totally understand that, especially if, if he's putting pressure on you. And it's, it's, I get it. It's fucking stupid, though. Don't do that shit. It's going to instigate something. But 
regardless of if it instigates something, you have to act like a fucking adult. Now, I've been I've been kind of you know thinking about it, and fuck, man, like I wouldn't have had a problem if Miles Garrett just ripped the helmet off, you know, like whatever. You just ripped the helmet off. He he's sick of this fucker fucking with him. The fact that he ripped the helmet off and swung it at his head, that's where I have the problem. The dude fucking intentionally ripped his helmet off and swung it at him with 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 it's like intent he wanted to hit that fucker and he did he hit him right in the head and it was fucking scary and and it's like then you get to the point where they they you know they get Garrett down and fucking whoever the fucking guy from from the Steelers start kicking him when he was down in the helmet like that's just fuck that guy too we have to fucking act like adults you guys are grown ass men playing in the fucking NFL act like a fucking adult right I just don't that that type of fucking behavior in the NFL is not warranted. But then we're getting into this big old fucking issue now because Miles Garrett's been suspended indefinitely and everybody's calling for something to happen to Mason Rudolph. Now here's here's my two cents. I think Miles Garrett should get a four game suspension. Mason Rudolph should get like maybe a one game or two game suspension. One game suspension. The other dude with the, the Steelers should get like a three game suspension for kicking him when he was down two or three games. Now, um, I don't think Garrett should be suspended for the season, like everybody says. Um, the penalty in the the rule books, a fifteen yard penalty and ejection from the game, which happened. So they have to determine something else if they want to further, you know, go after. So I, I four game suspension seems fair. Three games for the other fucking douche that kicked him. And yeah, one game for Rudolph would seem fair too. Um, I just don't, I don't get all the heat. Everybody is fucking throwing all this heat at Mason Rudolph and fucking it's, it doesn't make sense. It's like, I get it, dude. He was playing rough and all that, but it, it's it, dude fucking got hit in the head with his helmet. It fucking ripped it off and hit him. Like that other dude is clearly in the wrong, whether he instigated something or not. They're both fucking dumbasses, and they both shouldn't be playing like that. The NFL doesn't need fucking people playing like that. But people, you know, it happens all the time. Watch fucking games. People play, play defense plays like that all the time. The line plays like that all the time. Guys fucking, they get it back by, by fucking, or they get them back by, you know, beating them in the game or fucking getting up on them in whatever they're fucking, you know, trying to do. Miles Garrett didn't have to do that. They're winning the fucking game. It's like keep sacking him and keep fucking him up. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to do that. So and and Rudolph, he's frustrated, so I understand. I can understand why he's playing like that. He's he's frustrated and they're losing. So he's taking some cheap shots and he shouldn't be doing that, but he's taking some cheap shots. But yeah, it's just, you know. Um yeah, and then Colin Kaepernick had his little workout today. He pulled a swerve on the NFL last minute. He he changed locations, and um, I believe scouts from the Jets were there, the Redskins, the Chiefs, and fuck the Eagles. So who knows what's going on there? Um, yeah, I don't know. But um, so I got some movies that to talk about to review. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about is, um, streaming on Netflix and it is, uh, called Dolomite is my name and it's, um, starring Eddie Murphy, uh, Keegan, Michael Key, Wesley Snipes is in this one, Mike Epps, Craig Robinson, Titus Burgess and Snoop Dogg. 
and it's um, directed by Craig Brewer. He um, also directed Hustle and Flow and Black Snake Moan, both really good movies. Um, the critic score on this one on Rotten Tomatoes is 97%, and the audience score is 91%. And yeah, this is a funny fucking movie. I, it's good to see Eddie Murphy back on screen. It's based on a true story about um, uh, Ru- Rudy Ray Moore, I believe his name was, and uh, who played Dolomite and the those 70s like just awful fucking black exploitation type of films and he's just you know he's he's doing kung fu and all this ridiculous shit but yeah it's just great to see Eddie Murphy back and on the screen playing like a comedic role and doing funny stuff and man this movie just it it was great it um so there's um like his he he's a, he's he's like a he, he he's a musician he's kind of a jack of all trades and he wants to get into comedy. And it's at the time where like, you know, nobody, you know, you can't really do much dirty comedy and stuff like that. So he starts, he, he hears this joke from a homeless man that always comes in his store and just starts saying a, bo- a bunch of this like ridiculous type of like racist jokes, but he's a black guy and he's just, he's saying all this like slave joke type of stuff, but he's saying it like ridiculous ways, making humor out of it. And he's sitting down, um, Eddie Murphy, sitting down with his his group of friends, and it's Craig Robinson, Mike Epps, Titus Burgess. They're all his friends. They're they're uh, he opens for them as a comedy, and Craig Robinson's a singer. So he just like says, "What do you think about doing like learning those jokes, like and and refining them and turning it into an act?" And they kind of make fun of him, and he's like, "Fuck you guys," and leaves. He goes and starts paying a bunch of homeless people to write down their jokes. And then he's changing him up and he switches his act and he builds this character, this Dolomite character, and he dresses all flashy, he dresses like a pimp, pretty much. And and he just fucking goes and, and slays his first night. And it's it's fucking hilarious. He ends up wanting to make a movie because he's like, you know, they they don't have representation like this of of our people in the movie. So he's like, let's do this. So he goes and wants to make a movie. And he's just it's t- total low budget. He, um, Wesley Snipes plays, uh, Derville Martin, real actor. He was, um, he was the director of this and it's just fucking so funny. He's, he's the greatest part of this movie. Him and, and Eddie Murphy are so fucking hilarious. Craig Robinson doing the music is great. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key doing like, he's playing like a, um, writer and like a savant type actor wanting to do, you know, more for, um, he doesn't want to. He, he wants to do deep writing and stuff like that, not this hokey type of stuff. So I'm going to play a clip real quick that just uh, give you a kind of a gist of what this movie's about. We want this thing to be raw. Tell it like it is on the streets. Yeah, lots of pimps and hoes and cussing. And kung fu, karate. Brothers love all that kung fu and karate. Do you know karate? No, but I'm a fast learner. I can learn how to chop me a mother. You know what we should have? A all-girl kung fu army. Um... You know, there's, there's plenty of story opportunity, Rudy. Across this nation, inner cities are being plagued by violent crime. I, I feel the government hasn't stepped up. That's it. It's Whitey's fault. The mayor's corrupt, and there's an exorcism. God damn it. An exorcism? Yeah, you know all that. mother's in hell. Um, I don't know how that fits into our urban... So, yeah, it's it's just... it It's so good. It it, it That's That scene is, is when, you know, he... He meets 
key and he's deciding, okay, I want to, I want to do this movie and, and I need a writer and he's smart. He'll be my writer. And he's kind of listing off his ideas and the whole Kung Fu and, and the exorcism, you know, all white people are all into that shit right now. It's just so fucking good. The, the, the humor in this is fucking hilarious. It makes me want to go and see the real fucking Dolomite because it, it is supposedly one of the worst fucking movies ever made. And then there's another documentary out there about um, the real life Dolomite. So I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I watched that one and I, I loved it. I thought it was really good. So yeah, streaming on Netflix, Dolomite is my name. Um, the next one I want to talk about is Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, this one, fuck man, Ford v Ferrari is great. Um, in theaters now, directed by James Mangold. Uh, he's the director of Logan, 310 to Yuma. Um, 92% with the critics, 99 with the audience. And uh, this is starring Matt Damon uh, as Carol Shelby, Christian Bale as Ken Miles, John Bernthal as Lee Iacocca. uh Tracy Letts as Henry Ford II, and Josh Lucas in a... Um, role as Leo Beebe. So yeah, this one is the story of, you know, Ford against Ferrari at Le Mans and the 24 hours at Le Mans. So yeah, this is just a, this is a fucking great story, a great movie. Um, this is total Oscar bait. This is going to get a best picture nomination. Um, Christian Bale is going to get a best supporting actor nomination. Matt Damon's going to get a best leading role nomination. Um, it's going to get a, a, a screenplay. It's going to get cinematography. This is going to get editing for sure. Sound design for sure. The editing was fucking amazing. The driving scenes were great. The sound design was great. This was an all around great movie. This is super enjoyable in the theater, two hours and 30 minutes, but man, it does not feel like it. It is just, it, it flows. So yeah, this is, this is one of those movies that you really just got to see in the theaters. It's such an enjoyable time. So yeah, it's the story of um, Ken Miles, the driver, Christian Bale, and um, Carol Shelby. So the the story is, is kind of simple in, you know, that it's just a racing story, but there's so much into it that, you know, and I'm not going to try to, I'm going to try to gloss over this without as much spoilers because it's something that you should see and not know a lot about. But so it's, it, you know, Carol Shelby is, um, you know, the, 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 I mean, let me think how I'm going to do this. So Ford, Ford is trying to reinvent themselves. Lee Iacocca tries to offer to Ford to buy Ferrari because they're known for their racing and all this, you know, and Ferrari ends up turning them down and Ford is, and, and, you know, insults Henry Ford, the second. So he feels, okay, we're going to start a racing team and we're going to beat him. So they recruit Carol Shelby, who's, you know, making Shelby's and he's doing racing and Ken miles is one of his drivers and he's his best driver. And he wants Ken to be a part of this, this whole history-making American-made car winning Le Mans. And there's this conflict between Leo Beebe and Ken Miles from the beginning. 
uh, Carol Shelby is a big, you know, supporter of Ken Miles throughout, but he's also got to play the whole suit card with Ford and play and toe the line and all this type of stuff. But it's it throughout the movie you get this, you you understand how how it's just so important to both Shelby and Miles that they start saying fuck you to all the suits like we just we're going to win this thing and we need to do it our way because we're not going to win it their way we're going to win it our way and it's just such a fucking great story man i i loved this movie i loved this movie this is such a good year for movies so far too it's it's going to be hard to pick like my a top 10 this year because it's just there's so many that i've loved this year and this movie is fucking great it's so good i was I, I was going in with, with semi-high expectations, so, you know, I, I, I'm glad that they, they lived up to it. James Mangold did a fantastic job. Um, now I need to go watch. Um, there's a few documentaries out there that were uh, done by Adam Carolla, uh, The 24-Hour War, and then he's got the Shelby documentary, and I got to go watch those too now because I, I want to know more of the real story and just to go along with this. It's such a good one. So I'm going to also play a clip for this one, and this is the clip of um, Lee Iacocca, played by John Bernthal, explaining to the board and to uh, Leo Beebe and to Henry Ford why they need to think differently. So I'll play that for you. In the last three years, you and your marketing team have presided over the worst sales slump in U.S. history. Why exactly should Mr. Ford listen to you? Because we've been thinking wrong. Ferrari. Now they've won four out of the last five Le Mans. We need to think like Ferrari. Ferrari makes fewer cars in a year than we make in a day. <laughs> we spend more on toilet paper than they do on their entire output. You want us to think like them. Enzo Ferrari will go down in history as the greatest car manufacturer of all time. Why? Is it because he built the most cars? It's because of what his cars mean. Victory. Ferrari wins at Le Mans. People, they, they want some of that victory. What if the Ford badge meant victory and meant it where it counts with the first group of 17-year-olds in history with money in their pockets? This would take years, decades to test and develop a race team capable of taking out Ferrari. Ferrari's bankrupt. Enzo has spent every lira he's got chasing perfection. You know something? He got there. But now he's broke. All right, so yeah, that's just, I mean, that's how the movie is. It has a lot of just poppy dialogue like that, and it's it, it's just great. The screenplay, it, it, everything about this movie, it just screams Oscar bait. It's I would not be surprised at the end of the year if this one has the most nominations because it's just a fucking fantastic film. It definitely, um, I haven't seen anything this year that's this well edited, and the sound design, just like I said, the sound design was phenomenal. Um, the performances, though, you know, the, the chemistry between Matt Damon's character and and Christian Bale's character, it's just fucking great. And Josh Lucas, he's just a total fucking dick in this movie. He and and the the 
relationship between the three of them is fucking great. And John Bernthal is great. So it's just all around. This is a movie that everyone needs to see. It needs to be enjoyed by everybody. It's, and it, and it is, you know, it's it, like I said, it's uh, 99% the audience, 92 with the critics. It's just a movie that, that people are enjoying. It should be a little higher with the critics, honestly, 99% with the audience. That's fucking crazy. Usually the, the audience is never that high. So yeah, um, Ford v. Ferrari, go see it. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely worth it. Um, the last movie I'm going to talk about here is also in theaters now. And this one was a, it's another hard one to talk about because there's just so much going on, but this is another one that I was, I was grappling with which one I loved more Ford v Ferrari or Dr. Sleep and Dr. Sleep just edged it out a slight bit just because I, I'm such a fan of the shining and this movie was so fucking good. So, like I said, in theaters now, Dr. Sleep, directed by Mike Flanagan. He's um, known for uh, The Haunting at Hill House um, on Netflix. I haven't seen it. Um, 76% with the critics, 90% with the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Starring Ewan McGregor as uh, older Danny Torrance. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson as uh, Rose the Hat. And... Um, Kylie Curran as Abra. So this this is a sequel to The Shining, and it's based on the book, but it's also a sequel to the Kubrick version of, of The Shining movie because there are some differences. So this is it's just total, like, it's a movie that has fan service, but it also is a standalone good movie. Like, without The Shining, it's, you know, it's it's a good movie. You don't have to see The Shining to enjoy this movie. Now, if you're a fan of The Shining, you're going to love this fucking shit. It is so, so good. Um, Mike Flanagan did a great job of of framing shots and doing the editing. He did the editing on this, and this is another movie that's very well edited. It's it's not like Ford vs. Ferrari editing. This is editing that's just like like paying homage to, to Kubrick in the original film, the, the cross-pan editing and stuff like that. Um, there's a scene in this movie that's just... It, Total fan service, like I said, but done in such a uh, such a right way, recreating sets and um, Flanagan got the blueprints from the the Kubrick estate of the layout of the Overlook, so he can you know recreate things to to match the the correct way and you know the the boiler room when he when um, Ewan McGregor's character goes back to the Overlook, he goes in the boiler room and it's just like a spot on recreation of the boiler room, just older. The building looks the same, but older, just run down. It's been closed. There's um, a scene where where his, um, Ewan McGregor is sitting at a, a table, like, in an office, talking to his AA, like, his, you know, this pastor, I believe, or some shit. He's his AA leader. And the room is exactly the same as when Jack Nicholson was being interviewed in the original Shining. So it's just so much done right in this movie. Um, Rose Ferguson as as fucking, or uh, Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat is fucking great. The villains in this movie, they spend, you spend a lot of time. This movie's long too. It's two hours and 30 minutes. And it does drag a little bit. This isn't like Ford vs. Ferrari where, where it just pops the whole time. This movie does drag a little bit, but... 
you spend this time with with a lot of time with the villains and you get to know their motivations and the reasoning they're doing certain things and i really can appreciate that kind of stuff so i the villains in this they're just fleshed out and i love it they um there's there's like um they have different powers but rose the hat is like the strong one but they feed on on the steam that you can get from the kids that shine and the steam is more powerful as as they're, they're they're it's more potent for them as a kid as kids and they're basically vampires they they're immortal they have to feed off this steam but the steam gets polluted the older you get and usually they try to turn you to one of them if you're older because this like you know the steam isn't isn't pure so they they basically kill kids and suck the steam from them but depending on how powerful the kids are pain and and suffering brings the steam out so they they want to keep these kids alive as long as possible and danny torrance is you know ewan mcgregor is danny torrance he's he's got ptsd and he's trying to just get over what happened to him as a child and he's drowning it out with alcohol and he's running away from his problems and he moves to this town decides to get clean and he uses the shine for something good and I don't want to spoil it it's something that that you feel satisfied with and he begins communicating with somebody that also has the shine but he's communicating through the blackboard in in the room that he lives in and you learn that it's this young girl named Abra and she's just she's got it really powerful and you see like you get a lot of time with this little girl and and she does a great job at, at, as this performance and it just it builds throughout to this really tense scene in a forest with with a shootout and it kind of seems out of place but it it really just fits what's going on and then you you just you build to them going back to the overlook and you know you're gonna get there and it's just so satisfying when you do get there and yeah the ending of this movie is a little weird but I'm into it it's 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 cool. I like I liked the way this movie ended, and I was really happy with this whole movie. I was going into the, this one I went into with expectations to fucking hate it. The trailers were horrible. I was just not pumped for this at all. I really wasn't going to see it, but then I was just bored and was like, you know what? I'm going to see it. But it was just totally fucking worth it. I, this was another movie that's like like I said, a great movie for a great year for movies. And there's still so much that there's the Irishman coming out and. There's still so much more to come. So those three movies, um, See Him Dolomite is by name, Dr. Sleep, Ford vs. Ferrari, two in the theaters, one on Netflix. The two in the theaters should definitely be seen in the theaters. Um, if you don't have two hours and two and a half hours to spare to see both, see Ford vs. Ferrari in the theaters, Dr. Sleep you don't have to see in the theaters, but it's definitely a good time to see it. Um and then kind of like a random off to the side note to just wrap the show up. Um, Will Smith for the, for the giants, he left, um, he went to Atlanta. So this fucking sucks. Knew that was going to happen, but free agency and baseball's begun. Um, slow again, like last year, but the first signing is off the board. Will Smith going to the Atlanta Braves. So for a three year deal. So that, you know, there's that, but, you know, that was this week's show, a little shorter than, than usual. Um, try to get some guests on here in the next couple of weeks. Um, I know that 
that uh fuck i know that that it's going to be the next couple of weeks are going to be tough because of the uh thanksgiving and then I'm, I'm like like i said last week i'm moving december 1st so i'm going to try to get an episode out during the weekday before i move uh hoping that everything goes according to plan so yeah there's that but other than that you know follow the show on on twitter and facebook at loser hour and you know go ahead and share this this shit you know do 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 yourself a solid help brother out you know so until next week Sweet romance.